0: Good evening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> now just let your heart settle for a sec. After that, that's yeah. <laughs> G'day, um, welcome. It's great to be able to be up here and share with you this evening. If we haven't met before, my name is Dave Clark. I've been a part of this church in town for about thirteen years now, and I love being able to um, yeah, love being able to have the opportunity to share uh, what God's got to say to us tonight. So, welcome to everyone here and to people joining in online. Lovely to have you here as well. So about 20 years ago, um, back in Adelaide, I'd finished year 12 and I decided I would get some work while I waited for my uni results because I didn't know what the next chapter of life was going to look like. And I got a job as a door-to-door salesperson selling some pretty classy gear. So we were selling plastic calculator and pen sets. We were selling Christmas hats and reindeer noses. Just all that really amazing stuff that everyone wants put in their stocking um, come Christmas time. But what I didn't realize starting was it was going to be the weirdest job of my life so far. So every morning what we would do as a team is we would stand in a circle and they would blare this heavy metal music to try and psych us up for a big sales day. So some people would walk out really pumped up, others would walk out with a mild concussion. And then at the end of the day we'd get into the same circle And if you'd sold, or if you'd made a commission of $90 or more, you got to run up the front, ring a cowbell, and then ring that while you're running a lap of the circle and everyone's cheering and slapping you on the back. If you sold $120 or more, or you made $120 or more commission, you got to go up to this massive gong with a stick and just club it. And then you also got to do a lap of honour, except this lap of honour was you were, were given a piggyback by the boss. So, this was just the weirdest way to start and finish a shift each day of this job. And not only was it the weirdest job I've ever had, I sucked at it as well. So, we would do 12-hour shifts, and I was often coming in and only making about $40 or $50 each day. And on my worst day, I made $14. So, I would often have to show my results to the boss, and understandably, he wanted me to sell a lot more than I was. So he decided he would pair me up with some of the best salespeople to try and learn from their technique and see if I could um, grasp anything from them. And so part of their technique, the first thing they said is you are always going to walk into a business and they're going to have this sign that says no hawkers, no salespeople, ignore it. Force your way in because the sale is more important than them. So that was the first thing, ignore the signs, just push your way on through. The second thing they t- tried to teach me was then, you, then you've got to lie. So you've got to walk up to the front confidently and say to the receptionist, the boss said I could come in. And in fact, the boss said everyone has to stop doing their job and come out and look at these Christmas hats and reindeer noses. So we've got to have to sell this lie to the job, or to the business straight up. And then they said the third thing you've got to do for success is you've got to turn on the charm. So you've got to try and, hey, how you going, buddy? Good to see you. <laughs> try and build a real quick fake connection with people because the more they like you, the more they're going to buy your rubbish. So they would try to teach me these techniques. I, I, some I tried to put into practice, some I didn't, but I wasn't very successful because my sales figures stayed at pretty much the same level. I just wasn't very good at the job, but I also felt really uncomfortable with kind of that manipulative trying to twist and force someone essentially into something that they probably didn't want. And while I hope you haven't had a bad job like that, or you know, a job where they're you know really trying to concuss you in the morning with the music to, to fire you up. But when it comes to sharing about Jesus with people, sometimes it can almost hold a similar feeling, like we're trying to sell something that maybe someone doesn't want. Does so anyone ever kind of notice that? That, that? that that kind of that weird, clunky feeling where like, do they wanna hear this? Like, is there actually a door open here? Do I have to try and force my way into this conversation or try and push Jesus onto them? Do I got to try and get my sales figures, my Jesus figures up a little bit? It's a weird feeling at times. You know, sometimes to go, we genuinely have the greatest news in the world and we want everyone to know Jesus. But how do we go about it in a way where it doesn't feel clunky or awkward or forceful? How do we do that? And that's something that I have struggled with a lot. Um, to try and figure out how to do this in a genuine, caring way. And so wonderfully, Gav's put me on, and um, um, John, um, John Hitchens next. So we're doing a two-week series on how do we actually share Jesus with people in ways that are caring, in ways that are respectful, and not forcing doors open. So to do that tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at some verses from the book of Colossians. And thankfully, the writer, Paul, doesn't want us selling Christmas hats, and he doesn't want us manipulating people. Quite the opposite. He's he's giving us some insights in how do we share the amazingness of Jesus in really caring and respectful ways. So, if you'd like to follow along, we're going in your Bible or on your phone. We're going to be looking at Colossians chapter four, verses two to six. We'll also have the words up on the screen. But that's Colossians chapter four, starting. Oh, yeah, Colossians chapter four starting at verse two. So let's see what God's got to say to us tonight about how we share Jesus. So devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So as we've just read in the first couple of verses of our passage tonight, Paul, the writer, is in prison, and he's writing to this brand new group of Christians in a city called Colossae. And this amazing leader, this amazing man of faith, who has been kick-starting churches all around the world, is asking them, the brand newbies, for help. Which is pretty cool. Like straight up, it shows us there's no space for ego when it comes to sharing Christ. Like we all need help, we all need prayer. Paul, who was the best of the best at the time, was asking for that support, which is really, really cool. And Paul's asking the Colossae Church to pray because he wants the mystery of Jesus to be known or to be made known to everyone. So um, so, yeah, so who Jesus is, who, why Jesus died and why he rose again, what he's doing for his people and his world right now. Paul wants every single person to know this about Jesus, and he's calling on the Colossian church and on us to play our part with him. It's our privilege and it's our calling. We're all called into this. And when Paul's writing about what we are to proclaim, he uses the word mystery. Or when he was writing in the original Greek, this word mysterion. So he's taken this word that was actually used in pretty much every religion at the time. And most of the religions use the word mysterion as in this is the secret knowledge that only a few privileged, special, kind of top-notch believers knew. But when Paul uses this word mystery, so in tonight's passage and a bunch of other letters he writes, he always adds these extra terms before it. So tonight, he's put proclaim. In other ones, he writes make known or make it plain, make it obvious, like really explain it. Because he knows that Jesus is not an exclusive God. Like there is no in crowd, there is no special group, there's no I'm better, you're not this type. There's no hierarchy in Christ. He is not an exclusive Lord. He died and he lives for all. So this mystery is not to be kept a mystery, it is to be made clear and abundantly open for everyone. And so Paul knows, well, while the religions, sorry, was when they spoke about this mystery, they believed it's because they were just a little bit smarter and a little bit more spiritual than everyone else. That's why they knew this stuff. Paul knows the only reason we know about Jesus and what he actually means to us is because God makes Jesus clear and known to us. In another book that Paul wrote, he, he put these verses in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13. He said, we also thank God continually, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So we're sharing this word, and this word has impact, but it's not because we're brilliant. (laughs) Even though we are, God's made us pretty amazing. But the word has impact because God gives it impact. He is the one who brings it alive in each of us. So Paul's calling us to share about Jesus, and hopefully what we share will have impact. But the impact part isn't our job. In fact, some parts are God's job and some are ours. And it's going to be really helpful to know, well, what's he meant to do? Because then, sweet, we're off the hook. But also, what's our job? Because he's partnering and working with us, and it helps to know what's God's role and what's ours. And that's what we're going to look into for the rest of the sermon today. So our role when it comes to sharing things of Jesus, or planting some of the word in every heart, is this passage tonight gives us three things. It says to prayer, or it talks about prayer, care, and share. I really wish I'd mentioned chocolate eclair. I just love it. Like, let's just keep the rhymes going, and you can, obviously, when we're sharing Christ, eat as many as you want, but tonight, it's the three of them, and first up, Paul talks to us about prayer. So Paul calls us to devote ourselves to prayer. Because he knew that regular prayer is a vital ingredient in our work in terms of partnering with God. It's how Jesus best connected with the Father. He was regularly praying, daily, multiple times a day, always touching base with God. Telling God, this is what's on my heart, and then saying, God, what's on yours? Prayer is a two-way street. Essentially, we share our heart, God shares his And that's what Paul was calling us to do in terms of when it comes to sharing about Jesus. The first step is, he goes, devote yourselves to regular prayer. And the reason is, is because God, so that God may open a door for our message. That's not our job. So we don't have to be the dodgy salesperson shoving that door open, forcing our way into people's hearts or opportunities. It's actually not our role. When God wants a heart opened, he will do it. Because otherwise we kind of will end up looking like this, running towards those opportunities like I'm going to share Jesus and smack bang, no, we won't. God hasn't created that opportunity. That's his job, which is pretty cool. Not ours, but he will do it. So anytime we feel like we kind of need to force a situation, we probably need to be asking God, is this actually a moment you've opened up? Or is this one I need to show some more patience with? He will open it when it's ready. So God's the one who opens the doors for us. And so God calls us, he says, I'll open them, but I want you to pray for them. So you tell me, who are the people around you that you wish knew me? Who who, who doesn't know how good Jesus is yet? And your heart is so, so burning for them. You're just like, I just wish you knew how good and amazing Jesus was. God says, pray for them. That's your job. He'll open the door later on, but our first job is to pray. God, please open the hearts of the people that we care about. So that's our first role in terms of sharing Jesus prayer. Paul then jumps onto the second one and he says, We have prayer and we combine it with care. So when I was doing that door to door sales job, there was this one day we, we, we had to flog a whole bunch of snow globes. So things you shake, and then the fake snow inside the glass or plastic kind of floats down. I used to have a bunch as a kid, I thought they were pretty cool. And I'm like, sweet, I get to sell one. But I had one day I had a bag, I had about 15 of them, and I hadn't moved one. So I'm like, I need to, I need to up my game. And I walked into this one shop, and a lady I'd kind of, she kind of, I think, felt sorry for me. So she's like, come on, do your spiel. And as I sat, I sat down at her desk and I noticed this picture of, I'm guessing it was her kids. And I'm like, sweet, we can use this as a hook. It's like, oh, your kids, they're lovely. How excited. Isn't the greatest thing that you could give a kid for Christmas this really cheap, not handmade <laughs> snow globe? And hey, look, you've got three kids. Why don't you give each kid one? Or if you want to be mum of the year, give them two each so they've got a backup in case one breaks. Do this and you will be the greatest mum ever. I thought I'd put this really cool spin on it. And she just sat and stared at me and said, You don't care one bit about me or my kids. All you want is the sale. An 18-year-old has never packed a bag so quickly and legged it out of a room as, the, as what I did that day because she had absolutely nailed it. She had exposed my heart. I couldn't care less about her. I just wanted some cash. And, and again, like what Paul's Paul saying, he's not saying... You know, when, when someone comes to belief, we're going to ring a cowbell or something. Or he's, he's not trying to say, let's do something as a sales technique just for the sake of adding another person to a tally. Paul's actually saying something quite different to us. In verses 5 and 6, he says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. And this is the part where he's talking about how, how we're meant to care. Let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt. So he calls for every interaction we have with people to be filled with something good of Jesus. His grace, his kindness, his forgiveness, his joy. Every interaction should leave someone better off, like the seasoning that salt does to a meal. You make a good meal, but you bung some salt on it, and it brings it out even more. like There should be a deliciousness to the way that we treat people and that we care about them. Something like, oh, that's so good, and I want more of that. So Paul is wanting people to taste and experience Jesus' love and his grace and care from us. He wants us to show that love in all our day-to-day interactions. So at home, in our jobs, in our play, times where we're just hanging out, times when we're online, times when we're walking through Yipperinga Shopping Centre, everywhere we go, There should be a deliciousness about the way that we interact with people, whether it's for one second or we're working with them for years. We're called to be people who genuinely and deeply care about others, so much so that they get a taste of the depth of love Jesus has for us. There's this really cool body of research that's been done um, over the last few decades um, by a man called Stephen Porges and by a lady called Deb Dana and they look at what are the things that help people to open up to others, and what are also the things that keep us closed off or guarded in a protective, defensive mode. And the research is clear every single time they've done it. What it shows is that we all need to experience safety, compassion, and empathy before we'll truly open up to another human being. So safety, compassion, and empathy kind of the things of Jesus. So most of us are going to need to experience the goodness and the greatness of Jesus before we're going to want to hear about him. Like we actually have to experience this sense that someone truly cares, that someone truly is safe to be around, that this is a place where I matter to people. This is a place where I belong. When people experience that, there is a deliciousness to it. I don't know about you, but like when I've come into a place and I feel like someone genuinely is happy for me to be here and they like me and they want to be around me, oh man, it feels so good. It's just like, get that little dance. Like. Deliciousness, care. That's what Paul's calling us to show towards people. Because when Paul's saying, when we devote ourselves to prayer for people and we show them a genuine depth of care, not to, get a, not to add just a number to a tally, but because we love them as Jesus loves us. He says that God will then open opportunities for us to be able to share. And when those opportunities rock up, Paul wants us to be ready. So he says, I want you to make the most of these opportunities, every single one of them, to have something to say about Jesus. He wants us to have done some thinking and some prep beforehand. You know, When those opportun- particular opportunities come up, what might I say? What do I want to say about Jesus in it? So that we're not going in cold. The picture that kind of came to mind when I was reading this passage was just kind of a bit of a limbering up. You know, Kind of stretch the muscles, kind of get warm, get ready, so that I can get involved in the moment when God opens up the door. I, um, I, I used to play a lot of sport during my teens and I also did a lot of injuries in my teens. It was kind of start a season, get injured at some point during the season. I I did hammies multiple times, I did quads, I did calves, I did ankles, I broke my arm during soccer, I tore most of my hip muscle off the bone, and that's that's just a start the list, there's many more. In fact, this graph shows the profits that were made by the Australian physiotherapy industry during my sporting days. So, um, the Australian economy, I've done my part. Um, but it was, but I, what, I noticed, or what I didn't notice at the time, but only on reflection later on, was that I almost always got injured in the second half of a game. So I was always pretty prepped, I, always, I did a really good preparation for most sports, but sort of in the second half, I would go back into it quite cold. And then this amazing moment would come up in the game and I would want to have impact because I'd cooled down and I wasn't stretched and ready, I would usually overexert and I would injure myself. And while Paul's not saying we're going to do a spiritual hamstring, what he's telling us is he's saying, be ready, because these moments will happen. We're praying and we're caring. God will open opportunities to share, and I want you to be on the money when it does. So it's back to those verses, making the most of every opportunity. When we're devoted to prayer and to care, God will open up opportunities to share. And as we learned earlier on, He will bring power to those words. So we don't have to. We don't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be amazing. We don't have to, again, rush in with heavy metal music and pump it out. Just chucking something in there, God will use that moment. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to those moments of sharing or those opportunities arise, it's been quite rare for me that someone goes, Dave, Let's sit down. You've got 15 minutes to tell me about Jesus. Like it's it's pretty rare that someone is that up front. I don't know if you have those opportunities. I'm a bit jealous. They'll <laughs> and credit to you for taking them, but it's very rare that those moments open up that obviously and that kind of freely. Like it, that's that's a fully open door, like just tell me everything you want about Jesus. Most of the time the opportunities that open up for me and I wonder if it's the same for you is it's a little opening. It's a little crack in the door. And it's about spotting and kind of recognizing what those ones are. I remember someone, I missed one a couple weeks ago. Someone actually joked. They said, Dave, you're quite a joyful person. What substance are you on? I wish I'd just said it's Jesus. <laughs> I missed an opportunity. But that was actually, that was one of those little, little moments where they were genuinely kind of in a joking way, but going, What's, what have you got that I don't? So sometimes those opportunities will come up, sometimes in quite a jovial, jokey way, but people are really searching, what have you got that I actually want as well? Other times, people might say things like, I wish there was an easier way to live life. But my life is so heavy and stressful and busy and it lacks peace. I just wish I could have some of that. When people are talking about that, what might we be able to share about Jesus in that moment? What might we be able to say about how Jesus helps us to carry life in a lighter way? Megan spoke about this, I think, in November last year. Jesus doesn't make our life light and easy, but he does make it lighter because he carries it with us. So the pain is still there. The difficulties and stress is still there. Jesus helps us. He says, my yoke and my burden is lighter. If that's something that we experience, a, lot, a lifting or a helping, that may be something that we can share with someone else. Other potential openings of the door. Maybe when people often talk about, when you have like really good relationships with people and they start to open up, they may start to say, well, actually, I think I'm broken goods. Like There's things that I have done or there are things that people have done to me to the point where I am so broken and beyond repair. The amount of shame that I carry is too big to ever get rid of. What might we be able to say about Jesus in those moments? What about when someone asks us what we're up to on the weekend? What about when people talk about how broken this town is and that nothing can really fix it or help it? It's just always going to go down the toilet. What can we say about Jesus in those moments? What about when people say life isn't fair and there is not anyone up there who cares? What about when I wish I had a job or a purpose, just something that was more satisfying than what I've got today? Or maybe I'm looking for a relationship, a friendship, or a connection with someone who just cares about me unconditionally and will not judge me and will just accept me for where. I'm at and for who I am. What opportunities are we noticing in those conversations and in those comments? What might you be able to share when those opportunities come up? Because the beauty is we don't have to have something big to share. But when Jesus talks about sharing um, when he was talking to his disciples, he said it's like a seed. It's actually very, very small, and you can just toss it in there. Lob it, hand pass, drop it. It <laughs> doesn't have to be big. It can be just a little comment. It might be something as small as a question. So you actually help someone open up more of their own story and their own questioning. It might be a story about someone else you've heard. might be part of your own story might have a verse or something that Jesus said or that he's done or that he's promised he will do. To a lot of people, Jesus will remain a very blurry mystery until we offer something to them. We share something of Jesus with them. We don't have to be eloquent. We've just got to offer it. God will do the rest. And that's why in tonight's passage, Paul has been calling us. He's In terms of what he wants us to share and to partner with God, tell everyone this is how good our Jesus is. And he says, I want you to do it through prayer, through how you care, and then when those opportunities arise, because God will open them, share. And in our last couple minutes of the sermon, we're going to pause just for a couple minutes and listen to what God's telling us about what he wants us to do in terms of prayer, his care and share because for some of us God in the spirit might be saying it's prayer he's like there is that person in your life and I want you to dedicate yourself to praying for them daily they're not going to open up in the next 30 minutes but they will one day pray for that person that that family member or that colleague there might be um, a good friend there might be an enemy partner. Our posty, person who makes our coffee and toasty. Someone we come across, we care about them enough. God might be saying, pray for that person this week. Spirit might be saying to us, there's someone I really want you to show a consistent level of care to. They know that people care a bit, but I want them to experience just a bulk of Jesus' love and his grace and his forgiveness that suddenly you become the safe and compassionate person in their life. Or God might be nudging you. He's like, look, you're praying, there's prayer and there's care, but I want you to share, throw some seeds out, plant some ideas. He may be saying, the opportunities are opening, the doors are cracked a bit. I want you to spot them and I want you to go for it. And sometimes it's a bit scary to kind of just launch in if that's not something that we've done a lot of before. So maybe the Spirit will be nudging you tonight and saying, actually, start to practice. Just talk with your mates, talk with your small group, start to toss around some ideas, like how would you or what could you share in those moments? Because they keep coming up and I keep missing them. What could I share of Jesus into that moment? So we're just going to pause for two minutes, just have two minutes of silence, and just listen and ask God, what is it that he's saying to each of us tonight about prayer, about care, and about share. Let's take two minutes now. Dear Father. Thank you so much for giving us Jesus. The depth of love and compassion and grace. There is nothing better. And you've given him to each and single, every single one of us. God, thank you so much. And for the impact that Jesus has in each of our lives, Lord, whether it's been, you know, whether we've been following you for a short amount of time or a big chunk of life. God, you have made such a difference for each of us here tonight. God, that difference is something you can make in everyone. And God, we don't force people, we don't manipulate. God, you are such a caring and gracious God. You do it when you're ready. God, thank you so much for partnering with us and letting us play a part in what you're doing in people's lives. God, for those people that we really care about, help us to pray. God, may we also show them a depth of care that is beyond niceties, that it is your love and your grace and forgiveness so that they can get a taste of how delicious your love is. And then God, give us that courage and that wisdom to spot the moments, Lord, this week and to take them, to share something of you because you are worth people hearing about. There is nothing and no one greater than you. Help us, Lord, as we share you give them this way. In Jesus' name, Amen.